we're continuing with First Peter. Remember what's happening. And this is so apropos to us about suffering. Now, lest you think I have COVID in mind, I don't. COVID is just another blip on the screen of what is happening in a fallen, corrupt, condemned world. Amen? It's no bigger or less than anything else other than we're experiencing it differently and it's impacting us. But it is just part and parcel to the entire work of God bringing this creation to an end and in the midst of bringing his, bringing his creation to an end. For Hey, Brenda. Ladies, y'all, y'all, come on. Gwen, y'all wave to Brenda. Come on, Gwen, you can get up. Hey, Brenda. Good to see you, Brenda. No, no. Come here. Come here. Yes. Yes. Come here. Everybody knows Clara. Now, Clara, come here. Come here, Clara. Come here. Come here, Clara. Brenda, Clara was behind the camera, and you couldn't see her waving. So, look. Look at the camera. Look at the camera up there. You see it? There she is. There's Brenda. Okay. Poor Bre- she didn't know where the camera was. Say, come on. That's Clara. Okay. All righty. We may not get through the class today if we don't. We can, okay. And to put it in context, what's happening? God is bringing this world to an this world as we know it, as it's constituted now, to an end. Why? In order to achieve his eternal purpose. That in his glorified son, he will have glorified sons and daughters. In whom his glory, therefore glorified children, may be manifested. Genesis one twenty six is being fulfilled every day. And getting there, God is putting this creation to an end. We see that in Romans 8. The entire creation groans. But in the process, everything is suffering. So let's make sure we know this. There was a book written years ago, you may have heard of, Why Do Good People Suffer? Anybody read that? It's an absolutely stupid question. It's an absolutely foolish question. May I say it this way as gently as I can? Everybody suffers all the time. Everybody. Everybody, Donnie, we cannot get away from suffering in this world. You can't do it other than you die. Anybody in here you've never suffered? We'll take your pulse later, Darlene. We'll take your pulse. Living with AJ, we know that's a burden. But now, everybody suffers. Here's the distinction. The unrighteous suffer because of their unrighteousness. God is using their suffering to reveal their unrighteousness and condemnation. You got it? Believers suffer not because of unrighteousness in them, 
but because they're living in an unrighteous world, but in a believer, God is working the, unright- the, the suffering of a believer, not to show them that they are condemned, but to prove their salvation as God is revealing and manifesting and developing and bringing forth the reality, the revelation of his own presence and glory in the believers. Amen? So everybody suffers. And so Peter is writing under the leadership of the Holy Spirit to the church to explain to them what's going on in their various trials, which we see in chapter 1, remember verse 6. And so last week, David talked about verses 3 to 12, later, where Peter is laid a foundation theologically and so on. And what David said to us last week is very, very important to see. He said that First Peter is a mixture, I don't know if he used these words, is a mixture of what? Theology and practice. You may not have used quite those words. Doctrine and living out the doctrine. And so it is a combination. Sometimes Peter lays doctrine down and he says, here's the foundation, the doctrine. Therefore, this doctrine is for the purpose of doctrinally living, doctrinal living, doctrine, stated doctrine lived. Sometimes he gives the living first and then the doctrine. Sometimes he lays the doctrine first and then gives the result of it. Did you understand? He, he mixes it up. Do we see that? So this week we're continuing in our pursuit through First Peter, and we'll be talking into the next large section, which is chapter 1, verse 13 to chapter 2, verse 10. Today, we'll just do 13 to 25 in chapter 1, and then next week, we'll talk about chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. Do we see how we're breaking it down? And in this area, we're going to talk about further development. Peter is further developing these aliens, these believers, who are living as aliens in a foreign world, but as the new members of God's family, their new identity. And because they are living in a fallen world, they are being persecuted. What do you mean? You're not going to the uh, temple with us anymore, Linda. We've done this for 30, 40 years. We've been friends. And now you're telling me you're rejecting the way we've been raised? We were raised such and such all our lives. And now you're not raised that way? What do you mean you can't do this and you don't do that anymore? And so they begin to be persecuted by their family members. And, of course, by the government to some extent, and it will get worse later. So let's look at 13 to 25 as Peter talks about God's people as a people of the new exodus. Now, when I say new exodus, what does that bring to mind? The word new refers what? Infers what? Old. And the word exodus all takes us back to what? Event. Did you see the movie? Come on. The Ten Commandments. The exodus. Okay. Everybody saw the movie. So let's read verse 13. Therefore, now what does he mean by therefore? Therefore always looks back to what he's just said, immediately what he's just said, and sometimes collecting generally everything that he said. So in relation to what he has said in verses 1 to 12, and maybe more immediately in relation to what David talked about last week in verses 3 to 12, Therefore, in relation to that, because of that truth, because of God's call, because, you know, of God's commitment to us, because of God's work, because he has saved us, because we have an inheritance, because we have a heavenly home. In review of all of those things, 
in view of all of that. Therefore, prepare your mind, or I love the way King James puts it, what? Gird up the loins of your mind. You know the picture there, don't you? The men wore these long robes. And when they went into the field to work, what did they have to do? They had to pull up the rows between their legs, tie, tie them up or whatever, so they could kind of walk around without being dragged down and fallen. And so get ready for work. Get ready for attacks. Get ready for difficulties. Get your mind prepared. We also get your minds prepared. Be aware of of not the possibility, but the absolute certainty, John 16, that you and I will experience suffering, trials, tribulations, difficulties, problems in this world. But specifically, those problems are coming to us through the hand of our God for the purpose of manifesting his glory in us. Now, if any of you think, and I know how it is, that's not right. How many of you, come on, come on, let's, let's be real. How many of us really think that's not right for God to do it that way? I'm the only one who's ever thought that, right? I'm the only one who's ever had a question about, I'd, I'd really rather, you know, God not do it that way. Then if you don't like it, if you're not in agreement with it, you have trouble with it, just ask God to cancel your salvation. Really? Because this is the way he does it. Jesus suffered and died, therefore we are here. And we are here representing and participating in his sufferings, if you would, as his body on earth until all things are consummated. So let's be embracing these, not in a weird kind of a way, but embracing them as the means of God. So I have to remember just like you do, when things are not going right, I've had some trouble lately with some kind of muscle in my hip, and it's been, my foot has been killing me sometimes. It's like, uh, and I have to remember regularly. No. God desires that his goodness, his mercy, his grace, his kindness, his love, et cetera, et cetera is being manifested in my reaction, my reaction personally, privately, and my reaction overtly. Correct? Right, Steve? God is being manifested. Therefore, Paul says, therefore, I will rejoice. I'm going to rejoice. Because not to re is a repudiation of what God wants to do. Let me get going. Prepare your minds. Gird up your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. So the verse sets the stage for the rest of the passage. The word, therefore, like Israel before them, they have been delivered from the slavery to Pharaoh of this world. Remember Israel? Moses came in under the direction of God. The ten plagues, you remember what they were? Each of the plagues had something to do with the religious system of Egypt, all of it being set on the 10th plague where the Pharaoh is a living God and the Pharaoh's son will be the next God. And so what had happened, the uh, Israel was captured by Egypt and God's son, the Messiah, has been captured by Egypt, by the God of this world. And so God delivers them out of that. And they are leaving now and they are getting out. They've been delivered from their captivity. Why? In order to go into the wilderness to become the people of God in a manifesting way to the world. So they've been delivered. Remember what Colossians 1.13 says. Is it in your, um, your list there? 
For God has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. So we are like Israel. We are in a new exodus season of our lives. Therefore, because of that, they are to be prepared or prepare their hearts and minds to live in a hostile world that hates them. Why? Because it hated Jesus first. Are we preparing our minds and our hearts and our thoughts and our dispositions and everything else to, to the fact we're living in a hostile world? We're living in a hostile world. Should we be shocked when we look at some of the horrible things that are going on in the world today? Should we be shocked? No. Why? We live, we're living in a hostile world. Should we be shocked when people don't like us, when they repudiate us, when they slander us, when they reject us, when they ignore us, when they lie about us, when they mistreat us? Should we be shocked? Yes or no? No. Why? Because this is the very way the world treated the Lord Jesus, and we now belong to him. We are his body. We are representatives of Christ being in us by the spirit to the world. And so as they treated Jesus, as they related to the Lord Jesus, they will to us. Now, what Jesus said in John 15 to his disciples, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. Why? That is why the world hates you, because we belong to another kingdom. And so how are they to get ready? How do you get ready? How do we prepare ourselves? Brethren, there must not be any laziness among us in relation to being prepared. Because what we're seeing now in this country, in the world, I believe, are the very, not the beginning as if it has never happened before, but I think the season now has really begun to turn toward the latter of the latter days. We've been going toward the latter days for many years. And I think we're now beginning to be in the foothills of the great persecution of the church. You may not agree with that, but I think that's where we are. And if any time you and I need to be ready, we need to be ready. If you are not, and we'll look at this next week, <clears throat> regularly in the word of God, you are making a vast major mistake. If you are not consistent in prayer, you are making a vast major mistake. If you are not consistent in worship and even in the gathering of the church on Sunday morning, if you can be here, then be here. Why do we insist on that? Because we want to be a prepared people. We do all of this preparation protection work for COVID, which is an incidental issue in relation to the vast spiritual problems on earth. It's incidental. We're not making light if you had it, but you understand what I mean.
And yet when it comes to the most significant issue in our lives, our spiritual walk, well, you know, I just we need to prepare our minds for action because the enemy is becoming more and more outwardly bold against the church. We see that, don't we? How are they to prepare? They are to discipline their minds, their thoughts, their desires, their affections, their attitudes to be reflective of the mind of Christ. We just have to start taking our thoughts captive. Somebody said that to someone, someone taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Does someone know where that verse is? Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. But the weapons of our warfare are what? Divinely empowered to the pulling down of strongholds. Taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Where is that? Say it again. It's in Second Corinthians. Y'all going to have to look it up. Is that Jonathan over there? Does he want to come up and give me five? Okay. We have to get our minds sober. Listen, friends. Every attitude, every thought, every desire, every motive, every action that is contrary to the will of God must be opposed by me and by you to say no to those things. To say no. To say no. We've been divinely empowered. Has someone looked up the verse yet? Ah, 2 Corinthians 10, 5 and 6. Well, actually, 3, 4, 5, and 6. What, right yes, thank you. Thank you so much. We have to keep ourselves spiritually alert. Where? Through the word of God, through the truth of God. If you are not in the word regularly, Satan will devour you. Can someone say amen? amen? If you are not in the word regularly, and I don't give a good tinker something about your schedule, it doesn't make any difference to me. You must be in the word regularly. You must be in prayer regularly. You must assemble with the church regularly. Why? God gives us these as his means of developing us. And I will say it this way, although it's unpopular, you must be giving the way God commands us to give regularly. It's part of the whole system of God's work in us. It's a fabric. And once you take out a, what do you call those little things, um, a thread within the fabric, what begins to happen? It begins to unravel. We got to get ready. We got to get ready. Because we are living in the best days of this world right now. Isaac, these are the best days in this world. Cody, these are the best days. Pharaoh, these are the best days on this earth that we'll ever see. 
And you say, oh, my God, if that's true, you better think that way because it's true. The thing is going down in a worldly sense as the Lord is preparing to take us up in a spiritual sense, correct? And how do we do this? How do we gird our minds? By fixing our hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Christ. You see what he says at the end of the verse? How do we do this? By keeping our hearts and minds in the will of God, in the word of God, and by fixing our hope where? Completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Christ. Everything must be eschatologically framed. Do you know what I mean by that? Everything about my life, about your life, about our lives together must be framed and understood and lived out within the context of the return of the Lord Jesus. Everything about this day is about that day. Everything about this day is to be revealed, fulfilled on that day. God is taking us through what we're being taken through today in order to show forth his glory in us on that day. This day is about that day. He says, therefore, in verse 14, as obedient children do not be conformed to the form of lust, as those who are under the dominion of Satan. Remember, you've been delivered out of the house of bondage. And they want to go back and eat the leeks and the onions. Remember that? Why can't I do this? I can't do that. I want to do the other. I want to still do the other things. God, Here's the biggest thing I hear. God will understand. Whenever you have a thought about doing or not doing something, whatever, and you think God will understand, know for sure that ain't the Holy Spirit speaking to you. That is not the Holy Spirit. God will understand, but he understands not what you think he understands. Another thing, too, if you have a thought, I wonder if I should, then don't do it. Don't do it. Because the vast probability is you shouldn't. Satan speaks like that, Mary. These are Satan's thoughts. Holy Spirit doesn't speak like that. I wonder if you should. This is the enemy. We need to prepare our hearts. Therefore, verse 14, as obedient children, don't be conformed. Their obedience is the only proof that they are God's family. I get asked regularly, do you believe someone is saved? And I said, well, tell me something about the person. Well, you know, he, he came to the altar and he wept and he prayed to receive Jesus and whatever and, and so on and so on. Well, that's good. But because I have an acorn in my hand and I put the acorn in the ground and plant it, Mary, does that mean that that acorn is going to bring forth life? Nope. It's good to receive Jesus. We're supposed to, but I'm talking about the outward manifestation. So-and-so went down to the altar and, okay, I'm not deprecating that. I did that. God saved me that way. So I'm not making fun of it, Annie. So a seed has been planted. Okay, we see the activity. How do I know the seed's alive? When I begin to see what? The little bitty green thing coming up out of the ground. Obedience is the only proof of our salvation. Now, some of you will think this. Yeah, but how much obedience? 
Obedience is the only proof. The amount of obedience and the quality of it is in God's hands. When the Holy Spirit is in a person's life, obedience will occur. There will be life. Now, the extent of it and the depth of the quality is God's business, but it's between us and God. Remember John 15, 8? And this is my Father glorified. How? That you bear what? Much fruit, and that your fruit will remain. Obedience. So Peter is saying what to them? The Holy Spirit is saying what to them? Get ready. Get your mind ready. You're going to get under attack. I'm preparing you for this. Be ready in the word. Be ready in prayer. Be ready in your spiritual exercises. Be obedient. Be submissive to God. Take your thoughts captive. Stop being loose in your mind and in your affections and your activities. Begin to see that this is a life and death struggle against the prince of darkness and the prince of light. And we are of the light if we are the obedient children of God. In verses 15 to 16, Peter once again explains the basis. Why? Why? Can you remind me why? So what does he say? He says, the reason for all this is because you're God's holy people. You have been called to be holy as I am holy. Be holy as God is holy. We have been called out of a condition of absolute, complete, 100% unholy putrefaction. And we have been brought into the presence of God's own holiness, having been made holy by the blood of Jesus. Are we God's holy people or not? Yes or no? Yes. Therefore, because we are God's holy people, we are to be manifesting his holiness in our daily lives. Now, holiness means a lot of things, but... uh, It means how we're living and the activities of our lives. But essentially, it means this. When the word kadash means, it talks in the Hebrew about God is holy. It means principally, at least initially, totally different and other than anything else. There is nothing like God in all the universe. Absolutely, he's completely different. You remember we went through this? Therefore, we as the people of God are to be absolutely, unequivocally, continually different than the rest of the world. We're to be different in every category. And this is where I find in my life and the life of the church, we're being so slowly compromising into the activities and the mindset and the things of the world That today, the church is practicing things today that should not be practiced because of their conformity to the world rather than being led by the Holy Spirit. Now, did you understand what I just said? I didn't say what you're practicing is wrong. I said being led by conformity to the world rather than by being led by the Holy Spirit. And we're being told this. Well, but you know, the world is changing and things are different today, therefore... Things are not different today. The people of God are still God's holy people. And rather than just saying, oh, I think this is okay and that's okay, why don't we do this, something radical? Why don't we ask Heavenly Father 
is it okay, rather than assuming it is. That's a big subject, and obviously we don't go into it today. You see, they are like Israel, God's family, who are called to reflect his holiness to the world. So because they are now God's holy family, God's going to judge them. God's going to judge them. Listen, verse 17, if you address as father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth. God's going to judge you. What is Corinthians? I think it's in your notes. Corinthians 2. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 2, 5, 10. Will everybody make note of that and memorize it? What does it say? For we all what? What word? For we all what? For we all appear. Is that what it says? Or does it say must appear? Must appear. You must appear. What's going to happen, Joey? You will appear. Anton, you will appear. Daniel, you what? Will appear. We all must what? Appear where? 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 Before what? The judgment seat of Christ. For what purpose? So we can all receive what? Come on, read the passage. What does it say? The recompense or what is due you in what way? Concerning the deeds done in the body, whether those deeds are good, meaning God's good, good meaning God, or what? Evil meaning that which is not of God. Friends. Therefore, in verse 11, he, Paul says this. I don't think that's in your notes. Knowing the apostle Paul is writing this. And he says this, Bridget. Knowing the fear of God, we persuade men. You see, one of the weaknesses, and I'm part of the weakness problem of the church today is we are not letting the church know clearly and consistently enough that we will be judged. Not as to our salvation, because this is the bema. This is the seat of judgment for the righteous or the saved to come into the family of God. But God is going to judge every word, thought, and deed about us. They're forgiven, but they're going to be judged, warned. Everything about you will be judged, brother. Cody, everything about you will be judged. Philip, Renee, even the ladies, Carolyn, Patsy, everything be judged. We're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ himself. Second Corinthians what verse? Chapter 5, verse 10 and 11. Learn these verses. There's too much of this stuff. Oh, Jesus coming back and la, 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 la. Well, yes. But when he returns, we will then stand before this mighty, glorious judge. And the book of my life will be opened before him. And every thought, word, and deed that is not brought into judgment by me, that is not confessed and dealt with here, those will be brought before him, and I will see them on that day. And Paul says, even for me, that's going to be one awesome day. Paul doesn't take it lightly. Well, we're saved, don't you see? We're forgiven. 
No, it's not about that. It's not about that. And so Peter is saying here, keep in mind, church, the difficulty you are experiencing now. Yeah, some of you feel this is hard as hell. But every response to everything in my life will be judged by this one who went through hell itself so that I would be with him in heaven. Amen. There is a judgment coming. We don't speak about it enough in the church. We need to be sober-minded and prepared. Everything I do, every decision I make, everything that's self-centered, everything that's self-centered and self-serving will be judged as evil. So don't you think, well, I don't want to do this. He did that. She said that. I didn't get that. All of that is evil. And all of it comes before the one who gave himself for us. Be sobered today on Easter morning. The resurrection is the mightiest work of God in humanity to bring forth the new humanity. But in it is our judgment before God. Once again, in 18 to 21, Peter intertwines doctrine and practice as he reminds this church that they have been purchased from their slavery at the highest price. Remember, he says, you've been bought with a price, not of gold and silver, but what price? The precious blood as of a lamb. We have been bought with the highest price. Therefore, God takes what we do and how we are and who we are and all of this at the most extreme significance. The most extreme significance. How we relate to one another is mostly extremely significant to God. How we relate to the world is mostly and extremely significant. Just keep your eyes on me. Don't worry about him. Mostly and significantly Important to God. To the extent that we submit to the world's ways is extremely and highly most significant to God. Because the church I find today is more cuddling up to the things of the world and embracing the world for which Jesus died to condemn. And I have to be as culpable and as concerned about that in my own life and I pray I do pray show me where I'm being deceived show me what I should do what I should not do too much silly practice in the church today too much lackadaisicalness in the church today too much too little preparation for that day We need to get ready. Oh, do you see? Are you hearing me today? And one of the primary ways God's, God gets us ready is through sufferings. <sighs> through sufferings. Verses 22 to 25, Peter now explains that the new identity of God's holy, as God's holy people, what it's supposed to look like, especially in the midst of the individual and corporate sufferings. Since you have been in obedience to the truth, purify your souls for a sincere love of the brethren. 
fervently love one another from the heart. Every unloving act and thought will be judged by Jesus himself. If you have been since or for you have been born again, not of, of not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. You've been born again through the word of God. For all flesh is as grass and its glory like the flower of grass and the grass withers and the flower falls off. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. You see, we are likened to Israel, God's nation among the nations. And let me close with this. Do you remember in Joshua chapter 2 when the spies were sent into the land by Joshua to find out what kind of um, land this is before we go in and conquer it? Do you remember that? And they went into the house of Rahab. What was Rahab's testimony? We have heard about your God. And she says, Yahweh, the Lord, Yahweh is God. They heard. They saw the glory and the power and the majesty of God. And she trembled. This is what the world is to see in us. The love of God, the glory of God, the righteousness of God, the judgment of God. The wrath of God against sin. All of that is what they are to see where? In us. And one of the prime ways of seeing that is how we act and respond when? In the midst of corporate and individual suffering. Suffering because how we act with one another. Suffering because we are attacked for whatever reason. Amen? So next week we'll look at the next section of this chapter 2 verses 1 to 10. Thank you.